TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's the Score North Twin Show. Driven to right field. It is back and it is gone. Kepler pounces on the first pitch and it's two to nothing. A high drive to left field. Deep to the corner. Calhoun chases it. It's gone. A home run. Jonathan Scope puts the Twins back in front. Highlights courtesy of Fox Sports North. This is D Score North, first place Twins show live from Bone Basota, the land of 10,000 ranks, magic number 36. Rami Makloff, Derek Wetmore, Manny Hill on the other side of the glass, and Judd Zolgad jumping in for our number two. Hello, Judd. Hi, boys. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I am outstanding. The most pressing question from the first hour of the show. Yes, sir. Who would win a boxing tournament on the Score North staff? It is the content team. Oh, boy. Actual boxing tournament. Yeah. Manny seems to be the favorite in most people's eyes on size and reach. You know who I wouldn't sell short? Who's that? Danny Cunningham. Yeah. That I wouldn't was my sell him. Seed. I've got no chance. <laughs> Derek's Man, got I'm raising my hand. Derek's got no chance. <laughs> I think R- Rami would talk a big game and get flattened early. You know what? Rami's got the reach and some power in those punches. Danny, but Cunning- I- Danny played football and I think he That's is right. I think he Danny's is sneaky. in the best shape on the staff. Yes. And, but his body's a mess. That's like, true. A lot of injuries. Like he's got a lot of problems. I didn't think about that. Oh, he's got he's got hip problems, herniated shoulder disc. problems, herniated disc. He's got good knees. He said, but that's it. Yeah, he's still kicking my ass. So. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm not worried about that one. Manny, yeah, perhaps, but I I think Danny Cunningham would be my. You think I could punch Danny in the shoulder enough to dislocate that thing? Because it seems pretty loose. You know what? I take him with one shoulder. Once I get it, he's out got of there. the bad back too. True. So that yeah, might that cause problems. It would be a debacle, though. <laughs> like, the entire fight card would be a debacle. Yeah, we decided against it. Even for charity, this is just not worth None the hustle. None of us come out looking good. There's no, no charity no. that I'm... No, 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 no. No, it could be for the greatest charity on the face of the earth, and I ain't participating. This is all hypotheticals. <laughs> but Judd's probably right. No, Probably nobody comes out looking good in that thing. Phil not, would be scrappy. Not one of us. Mackie would be scrappy. But I, do, but he's got no reach. Somebody tweeted in that Declan would win. Oh. No, no, they gave him the dark horse. They gave him the yeah, courtesy of calling the, him the dark horse. In the junior lightweight lightweight division, he might. But That's he'd the be only ta- thing. He'd be taking on a third grade kid to have to win that thing. Yeah, and there's no charity. And you thought I was mean to Declan. Your jaw dropped when I yeah, said. Yeah. I said I can't imagine a punch from Declan hurting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I would, yeah, I tend to agree. I mean, he might have a sneaky punch, but I, I'd be hard-pressed to believe that. All right. I could see Danny dropping a person <laughs> and and having the ability to do so. Because he's played sport. I mean, he's played sure, college yeah. football, so yeah. he might have a shot. Okay. All right. So, so you're taking Danny. Hope that clears it up. You're taking Danny. I'll take Danny, yeah. And would it come down to Danny and Manny? Would that be the final? I would have to think so, wouldn't you okay. guys? Probably. I mean, who's going to... I think I would surprise some people. I'm just saying. I think I would surprise some people. You are so much talk. The only name that hasn't been brought up that needs to be is Matthew Collar, because you don't know what he is. Like, he is the dark horse. I think Collar, I think if you gave him one good punch, (laughs) he would basically not... 
I don't know. Away. I feel like one body blow would yeah. Would crumple, I don't know, would man. Crumple collar. I'm saying don't don't write him off. I'm saying you land a good punch on him and watch the rage fill his eyes. Yeah, but I think he gets. I think he he'd become so uncontrollably upset that that he would make himself vulnerable to more punches. Don't you guys? Yeah, I think, I think so. I, I wouldn't want to so. fight him. I, jo- I don't want to fight anybody. Jonathan, My last fight was in grade school. Jonathan I was a good just fighter. Just to be asked who is the quickest to get knocked out. Well, I'd take a dive. <laughs> yeah, I'd take a first punch that came near me. Bing, bing. I would, I would get out of the way and then take a dive. So the answer is Judd, <laughs> not on merit at all, just on the fact that he's going to take a dive. Oh, I'm going to take a dive. I'm going to bet against myself and then take a dive. And I'll collect my fifty bucks. Yeah, Charlie Hustle. <laughs> That's my guy, Judd Zelligan. Always give it a hundred percent. Love it, hundred percent to Judd. Judd, you got to feel better about the Twins after this weekend, do you not? I know you didn't get. You the, want my honest answer? I know you didn't get the tight professional baseball oh, that you were looking for. God, the Texas, Texas Rangers, Rangers the are disgusting. How were they five hundred going into that series? I don't know. And by the way, though, on Sunday, uh, but before I departed for the football game, I did take great joy in watching Lance Lynn be Lance Lynn. Like all of these stories, and you know, his his statistics are good, his stats are good, but uh, it was great fun to see that that moping fat guy on the mound again, you know, walking guys, getting upset about the strike zone, Texas's fielding is just awful. Uh, you know what? Here's my honest, and I'm not trying, and this is not even negative, my honest assessment after the four games in Texas is one, it does not surprise me one bit. Two, it doesn't make me feel better because I knew that they could do this. Like, Texas is the type of team, Royce said this, I think, in May, and it's just going to be spot on, and it's the assessment that best summarizes it. If you give the Twins a spotty pitcher or pitching, like not a great, just okay, they're going to hammer that guy. Like, that Texas staff was right to be hammered completely. And they did that. My question still comes back to, okay, you got six games left against Cleveland. If you're if you're red hot and go five and one, I'm impressed. But we know that these twins, these twins are good. Like we keep coming back to they're a good baseball team. Yeah. So if you give them Texas, and, and I will say this, Texas looks now like they don't care. But you know what? The twins did offensively a hell of a job of putting their foot on their throat for four games. But I don't feel better because I expected this. Yeah. Like, I don't expect the Twins, I don't expect them to be like, oh, man, we, that Cleveland series was tough. Now we might be done. They're still really good. And so they're going to beat up on these teams, and their offense is going to pound these teams. And now, but I still want to see them when they come back around to the Clevelands and those teams to see... Are you hot again now? And can you're starting pitching then sustained through those series? I don't know. But you give them Texas, they're going to be Texas. So 13 and 0 against these cupcakes or 12 and 1, you I mean, happy with 12 20, and 1? 26 games left, I think, after after the bottom feeders of the AL Central or cupcakes. against the, against the bottom feeders yep. of the AL Central. Yep. That's right. So if you're confident that they can do that Against the Rangers, obviously, you're confident they can do that against these teams. Absolutely. Then you should have no doubt the Twins are winning the AL Central. Right. But do I still, but do I like them in in the playoffs? And the question still becomes until I see it, I'll default to Cleveland's pitching. So, yes, I I like them. In in fact, I think it was, I think Danny Cunningham gave me uh, the statistics off fan graphs, I want to say, on Friday 
The Minnesota Twins are favored to win the division. The Cleveland Indians are favored to have more success in the playoffs. That's interesting. But that's but that's right. Like that's exactly right. With the and this is why to me the six games against Cleveland hold personally a, a lot of intrigue. I want to see those six games. Hmm. Go five and one, boys. Like that's what I want to see. But but the definition here, or I think the conversation become comes back to what do you expect? <laughs> this is a good baseball team. This is a this is a good baseball team in an American league that's got, I think, five or six pretty good teams. And the rest of the teams aren't good. And the twins beat the crap out of those teams consistently. They should good for them. But does that then give you the confidence that although they have a very good chance to win their division, that they can make a sustained playoff run. Unfortunately, yeah. I have huge doubts there. Right. Not because they can't hit, but because the starting pitching, unless it's going against, you know, some bad teams, the starting pitching still scares me. I, I think, think it's that simple. That this Twins team is good enough to go to the World Series. However, they will not be favored in the series. How are on you the gonna way get there? them there pitching wise, Derek? Yeah, it's Especially it comes down to me. Wise. It's sixty forty. Like I we were talking about Garrett Cole versus uh, Jose Barrios in hour one, and it's like he's not going to be favored in that outing. If Martin Perez is making a start for the Twins in October, the Twins aren't going to be favored. Right. I got a question for both you guys. But you can win sixty forty games. I got a question for both you you guys, and this is this would be a difficult decision to be made, but it might be prudent, and it might cost you a few games. So I don't think that they will do it. Do either one of you guys think that it would be a smart move today? To put Barrios on the ten day IL, have him skip at least one start because now now I am sounding the alarm without question. Two starts ago against the Braves, nine runs. I was like, all right, that was rough, but and then Cleveland, the velocity's down, but he adjusts and comes back and actually pitched okay. But after what we saw for the second time in three starts against Texas, something there's got to be concern here. I'm not comfortable enough with the division lead right now to do that, to pull the trigger on a move like that. Because, yeah, I want to get Jose Barrios rest before October comes around, and I want to try and get him back as close to form as you can possibly get him. But let's get to October. If you open up a a five, six-game lead on the Indians and there's a little cushion there, a little breathing room, we can talk about that. We can talk about sitting down Jose Barrios and going a bullpen day for one day because you can afford to do that. But not not with the two and a half game lead and the division on the line. I need I need sixty or seventy percent Jose Barrios out there because that's better than than what I'm going to get from from whoever the replacement might be. I'd think about it. I would think about it. Or going to a modified workload reduction. But they've done this in the minor leagues the past couple of years under Derek Falvey, and it's kind of quiet. It's kind of under the radar. But hey, Fernando Romero in the starting rotation, five innings. Don't care how many pitches. If you get through five innings with 30 pitches and you've got no-hit stuff, congratulations. That was a great day of work, Fernando. We're going to sit you down, and you're going to make your turn five days later. I might do something like that right now, especially knowing your bullpen low-key is starting to lengthen a little bit. Guys like Zach Littell and Trevor May and Ryan Harper, guys who you have some level of faith and trust in, they're not pitching in a one-run game in the ninth. All of a sudden, and especially against cupcakes. So if there is a time to do it, I would say now is the time to consider it. They're probably, though, Judd, don't you think? Probably give him another start before you make that. Like like Nelson Cruz is coming back soon. So 
that could be a convenient way to make the roster make sense. I don't sense that that would be the way they'd go right now. The Brioles thing, uh, no, but but the Brioles thing definitely scares me now. After after what we saw, Atlanta and then Cleveland, which wasn't great, but I'm like, okay, it's good enough, but certainly not ace like good by by a long stretch. After what we saw in Texas, when you give him what six runs in the first, and I'm he just he was battling himself that entire time. There's something off here. This is not just oh he sort of lost his stuff. His arm is either dead. Something is wrong. He could be just. It could be as simple as saying is a little dead arm period. Right, but can you pitch through that then, or do you need a, a start off? I don't know, but I. But there's no way that the Twins can or are ignoring this. This is not just a blip here. This is this is this is a worry because this guy is so important, and if you're going to have any playoff success, like any chance, he's got to be very good. So you're saying you'd do it now because even if you get to the postseason with this Jose Brios, it's going to be a short trip anyway. Correct. So you might as well get him right now. Correct. But I don't. I think you got to punch your ticket first. But I, that's what I, I'm saying. I get your point. Yeah. But it's just it's so far off the charts bad right now. If this was just sort of okay, he's struggling a little bit. The arm looks dead, but he's adjusting easily. If if this was was three instances of the Cleveland start, I'd say you know what I wouldn't do that. But two of the three have been startlingly bad. So this is what I said, hour one, and I think that it's it's not a cop-out take. It's just a, I have to wait and see before I even have this like hammer opinion. And my, my current stance is we've talked about Jose Brios for what, how many years now? Four years of being like he's electric when he's on and he kind of fades, right? Fade down the stretch. And Rami read the numbers off baseball reference earlier. August is by far the worst month. It's not even close. For his career. Yep. yep. He's just been dreadful in August. Mm-hmm. Now, I think that Jose is the kind of guy who is self reflective enough and, and thoughtful enough and self critical enough to sit down and say, All right, if we're going to go somewhere next year, I want to be a part of that. I want to be at my best in September, in October, rather than dominate the world in April and then fade late in the season and good luck in the postseason boys i helped get you here now you got to take it from here i think jose is reflective enough to to self-assess and even maybe get some help from the twins assessing i don't know maybe it's something they've talked about get yourself ready for the grind get yourself ready for the endurance of this run we don't need you at your best in may it'd be nice if you want to win a cy young you do have to be but if we the minnesota twins want to go to and or win the 2019 world series well, we need Jose Barrios, that's you, to be at your peak form in September into October, for sure in you October. You have to remind him that's him? That sounds condescending. Uh, this I was reminding the listening oh, audience, okay. theater right. of the mind. Okay, all right. And, yeah, he's not in this room. I should clarify that. <laughs> this would be a different conversation, probably. It wouldn't feel as uh, emboldened. Act, no, you say, get your act together, dude. <laughs> Tight it up. Yeah. And if something's wrong, <laughs> I'll I'll you. I'll, call fa- I'll do the paperwork myself. Yeah, and I just think that I am, this is the, this is the take I had hour one. I believe this. I am in team. Jose can write the ship. I, I have... I have faith or belief in him that he's aware of this and has built himself up for this stretch run. Now, if it's a dead arm period, it's a dead arm period, and you got to do something to get through it. Not arguing that he's at his best right now, but I'm also not ringing the alarm that oh, you know, the season's over. I'm sounding that I, No, I, no, no, I, I no, no not that the Shocking. season's done, but this is a major problem but here. But that if the rest he of is your not starters right, aren't good enough 
for this to happen to you and and for you to be competitive against teams that you can't. It's not fair. I'll, I'll go back to what, what we said uh, a couple weeks back. We're talking about the Twins against good teams. It's not fair for this to tell this offense, our starter's going to give up eight runs, but we go know you'll score nine. 14. Yeah, go like, get and Texas, you know what? <laughs> Texas is fine with that because Texas doesn't give a damn. They, they didn't care. I mean, they played like a team that did not care. Um, so that's great. But if you're playing the A's or the Yankees, right, or the Red Sox probably, or Cleveland, it's not fair to be like, starting pitching is going to be really bad again, but we know you guys can score 15. It's great that they can, but you also can't expect that. And and the drop-off, in my opinion, from a good Barrios to the, to Pineda or Perez, Odorizzi to a certain degree is pretty big, or it needs to be. I need to be able to... I think, to send Brios out there and say, I know you can do this. Most of our guys probably can't. And right now, you can't say that. Like, there's no way. So so my take is this. I said after the Braves game, let's all calm down. It's nine earned runs. Yes, it was ugly. It was awful. But it's one game. Flush it. Move on. Yeah, just move on. And people were like, oh, no, this is serious. And I'm like, no, no, no. Well, now, guess what I'm saying? I might have been wrong there. And this guy might come around, and I think he he will, but you can't afford this blip. Like, this blip leaves you where? Odorizzi's pitching pretty well, I guess. Pineda came back, but he just came back. You know, Perez is getting by. He's getting by. It's better. But it still doesn't make you super confident. Gibby has me very flummoxed. So that's my problem. I think it leaves you 10-3 and against 13 cupcakes, and you see where you're at after that. No, you're probably right. You know, like, yeah, you're probably right. And, and within that, if you can get guys on track, if you can get the bullpen rested, that's going to be something I'm watching. Do you take a game that's like 6 1 and you just start setting up a bullpen schedule? We had a caller a couple of weeks ago chime in saying, why don't they just piggyback relievers and say, hey, you're going two innings and this guy's going two innings? Because starter will go five. You two are pitching tonight. Get ready for it. And then the next day do the same thing and just have like a group of a couple relievers. And it baseball can't work like that over a 162-game schedule. At least I don't think so. Mm-hmm. And, and smart front offices haven't started to do that necessarily. But it would be interesting against a stretch of teams that you think you're feeling pretty good about. What do the Twins do to get their pitching right in this moment? If, if, if they're going to use an opener in October, they'd be well within their rights or they they should be auditioning that type of thing here in late August and into early September. Don't know that they'll do that necessarily, but I'm going to be fascinated to see not only a what's a record coming out of this stretch of 13 cupcakes with the White Sox and the Tigers. Yes, they're cupcakes. Don't tell me that those are big leaguers too and that there are some good starters on the other side. You should go win these games. Absolutely. So I want to see their record and I want to see how does your pitching come out of this? How are we feeling about this two weeks from now? And that's why you'd like to see them at some point here in the remaining 30 whatever game or 40 whatever games they have left open up a five or a six game lead so that they 36 can. 36 games left? 36. Is it? Are we down that? To We're getting there, man. Wow. 30, I think it's 30. What? They're 76 and 40, 48, 48. I think it's 38, 70, 48, 38 games. 38 games. You're right, Manny. That was really good off the top of the dome. <laughs> He's just like computing. that there would be no math. <laughs> <laughs> He's computing the. Not only did you remember the record, which on any given day, I can never remember the record. I'm terrible. It, it changes all the time. I'm like, oh, it's around this. It's around this over 500. Manny got the record and the number of games without hesitation. I'm just. 
So you'd like, like I was saying, I'm though, impressed. You'd like to open up a five or a six game lead at some point here, so you can start thinking about roster manipulation, rest, and getting this team as ready as it can be going into October. I know the thought process of you want to play meaningful games all the way through, so you're already in that mode come the postseason. At this point, for how beat up the the Twins are in a lot of ways. I think rest would be the best thing for them if if they can afford it. Yeah, but you have to keep on pushing through the finish line, unless you do open up a nice comfortable lead at some point along the way here. And another guy who we've been talking about may need some rest. Judd Zolgad seems to think he's figured out what's wrong with Jorge Polanco. We'll talk, talk about fielding that. wise, fielding not hitting wise, wise not hitting. and actually it's come around there a, a little bit. But there is a there is a tell he has at shortstop now. That needs to be cleaned up quickly. Right after this on Score North on 1500, scorenorth.com, and the Score North mobile app. The Score North Twin Show. Have you guys ever wondered what it's like to be a twin? On Score North and scorenorth.com. Drive to right center field. It's down for a hit. It'll run to the wall. It'll clear the bases. Polanco to third, and the Twins have retaken the lead. And that would lead to the fourth win in a sweep, a four-game sweep of the Texas Rangers for your Minnesota Twins. This is D-Score North, first place Twins show, live from Bombasota, the land of 10,000 ranks, magic number 36 with that win, and the lead up to two and a half games with a couple of Indians losses over the weekend. Rami, Judd, Derek, Manny on the other side of the glass with you till 2 o'clock, taking you right up until Purple Daily after the uh, Vikings victorious in uh, preseason game number two yesterday. Matthew Collar and Courtney Cronin talking some Vikings with you. But Judd, you were saying before the break that you have figured out the problem with Jorge Polanco, at least defensively. I figured out a a concerning trend uh, with his throwing that I saw. I thought I saw it while watching the game on Saturday. And and then I was listening to the game yesterday and Corey Provis on the broadcast uh, broached this topic and confirmed it. And now Provis didn't pass judgment here. But he talked about what I thought I saw, and it's very interesting. Watch if you see Jorge Polanco now field the baseball at short, and and he's had some throwing issues now for a couple weeks. And if you recall, the Twins at the start of the year said, we know you've been told not to uh, throw to first base from the side, but if that's what makes you comfortable, that's fine. The last throwing error I think that Polanco had that was pretty atrocious, he came over the top. So... What I saw on Saturday was this. He fielded the baseball. And I think you could do this at second base, but I think at shortstop it's very dicey. And he, I believe, was looked back at the placement of the ball in his hand before he threw. Now, this is this is the, a thing that shortstops, I think, make look simple. And it's incredibly tough. Because one, that's a tough throw. Two, it's a it's a quick play. I mean, it's a bang bang. You can't, you can't like uh tap the ball a couple times in your glove, right? And then just be like, I'll throw to first now. Polanco was clearly looking at how he was going to throw the ball, which he can't do. Like, I think you could at second, Derek, but I don't think it's short. Now, against some guys, you probably can, but that's a really, really quick play. So I found it very intriguing that he's at a place mentally now where he's clearly thinking through a process that ordinarily guys are like, snap, and that's it. Yeah, I think he was compensating almost earlier in the year. I think it's like dealing with a shoulder thing or something and, and okay, drop down and just do the best you can. Try to get it there. The problem I've always had with Polanco is because of his, I, w- I would call it a weak arm and not like weak, weak, but 
For a shortstop. It's not a shortstop, right. Yeah, I mean, you look That's at other fair. guys. Andrews yeah. and Simmons got a cannon. Yeah. And especially when he's standing next to Miguel Sano, who should be a pitcher and just throw fastballs down the middle. Uh, I would like to see Miguel Sano on the mound. That, that would be that. very fun. Absolutely. Yeah. Babe Ruth did it. Why not? That huh? would be interesting. Well, Matt Albers gave you a little sn- slight sneak preview, but sure. there is... Uh, there's just something to be desired from his arm. I think that's fair to say. I think even Jorge Polanco enthusiasts would agree with that. For someone with that sort of average-ish arm, he's never had a great clock in his head. I've been kind of railing against this for a couple of years that, you know, a quarterback who's just got, we call it pocket presence, who, all right, you can't exactly see the guy running in and barreling over your left tackle, but you've got kind of an idea of if that happens, I got to get out here. I got to come out through the front, or I just got to. Where's my hot route? Um, hot read. I don't know. Don't let Matthew Collar hear this segment. You check down. You got to get rid of it. Yeah. At shortstop, you have to do that five times a game. You have to know yeah. this is a plus plus run. Yeah. Yasiel Puig sprinting down first baseline. I got to get this thing out. Versus. Oh, uh, uh, Miguel Cabrera or uh, Albert Pujols is probably the better recent example. And then you know you have time. Absolutely. I, I'm going to go make this ground. I'm going to get this ground ball in short left field, and I'm going to run it back into the infield, and then I'm going to make a one-hop throw to first base because I've got time. Jorge Polanco, for years, has struggled with that. This year, I thought, Judd, to your point, he was a lot better at that. He still didn't have the super strong arm, but if it was, I don't know if it's because he was dropping down or what, some reason he was able to know that clock better and those bang bang plays started going for him instead of going against him. But even through all that, I guess I've just sort of always questioned his throwing arm and if it was going to be good enough to be, you know, a a, a big league above average shortstop. His bat got him to the all-star game and good for him but if and you're he was looking, feeling better. If you if you are thinking and, and trying to look back at your throw. That's going to be a problem. But I think I think this all started because of fatigue. Because he started using that new arm slot, like the 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 forty five degree angle arm slot this season, and they worked with him a lot in the off season. And I think it became muscle memory. And then as you get tired, you get a little bit lazy in your form and your motion. And so they probably went to him and said, "Hey, dude, you're not doing this thing that we talked to you about in the off season." And now it goes from fatigue and form getting lazy to getting checked on it and overthinking it now. And and now you like like Judd said you're looking back and making sure your arm like, is at the right slot or the right angle. I want to see him over the top. I didn't even agree with the like sidewinding cuz he's erratic. He was erratic. Like he still wasn't good at making Which throws way? to first base. Over the top or sideways? Sideways. He was right left. CJ Crone had bailed him out a couple of times and and that's great. It's and that be can be right work. left or up down. I mean it's Yeah, I was like, going to say it's going to sail. It, yeah, I don't think he's got the. Uh, he, I'm, I'm not saying he's good at this. He is not. <laughs> you know what we we got fooled because the first half was so good. He's not a shortstop. He's just not. And he's this going, team's shortstop. But there are going to be guys now coming on the pike in the next few years who are going to bump him. It's probably and, fair and to so say. you're going to have to put him somewhere. And, and we we all thought up until the last few months, oh, he'll just go to second base. He ain't going there now. You don't think so. With a rise there, unless a rise is going to start to move to different positions, a rise has to play. Like until we see an extended period where, where the magic of Luis Arise. goes away, mm-hmm. this kid's playing. So I don't know. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, Polanco. If you find if you don't have this problem position, on opening day next year, I am it's not a problem. But but to Rami's point, 
I completely agree. Get the guy three days off. Yes. Like and, and but but why why is a team that seems to be so cognizant of player rest? They consider it well. If he's DHing, he's no. He really. I think. I think to to explore the space here. I think you need a, a day off from a game, and then a day off like Thursday, and then another day off, and then bring him back and say because he does. And and in Texas, he he actually hit fairly well. I thought, but overall, you have now seen a large sample size of a guy who looks like it's taken its toll. I think physically it is wearing on him. Or how about two days? How about th- how about Wednesday, Thursday? Well, and the Twins are the rest and recovery. Like they talk about this a lot, and Rocco specifically is very mindful of this. And the the athletic trainers with the Twins, and they're they're all aware of the physical load going on players, and they're probably even more than us. Definitely more than us, aware of the certain nicks and cuts and dings and bruises that guys get throughout the season and what they're playing through. Guys play through more than they talk about. So I do think that's a real thing right now with Polanco, with Max Kepler, guys that are, eh, it's not enough to land you on the IL. But if we had 14 players who were just ready to go and we were looking for spot, you this would be enough to put you on the IL. I think that's something that's going on for a number of their players And right that's now. what I said to you last week when we were talking about trying to find a good spot to get Polanco some rest. When you're without both Buxton and Cruz, you need all hands on deck. So, by the way, I saw Buck on Sunday. Did oh yeah, he was where uh, was that at the Vikings game? At the Vikings game. at the Vikings game. with his family. Yeah. See, he was he auditioning. He for, was walking. No, he no. was at Vikings camp last week. Yeah, and then he went to a training camp. to the game. I can. We wanted a sport that was would be a no little less violent. There, there was no no shoulder brace that I could see. There was no no harness. It looked like he was. It looked like the arm was free flowing. Oh, good. Well, so perhaps baseball news. activity will start at some point. I gotta soon say, here. don't let Mike Zimmer see that guy run a forty. He's going to put him at a nickel corner, and he'll never look back. They need corners right now. Could play receiver too. Need some corner return kicks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Is, the Cordero Buxton could be a bit of a weapon. The Cordero role. What you're saying, <laughs> Cordero Patterson role. Uh, but I, I did see him, so he's alive okay, and well. That's good now to it's hear. good to see. I know We're you're not allowed to, hear to form wedges or walls on kickoff anymore. But if they did, Byron Buxton would run right into it. Put him. Oh right. my gosh, Boy, that's what? brutal. What? You know what? That's I, just a drive by. I come to this show with reporter information about the site of one of the most important Twins players, and you got to take a cheap Mr. shot, Mr. Comedy over here. Got to take a crack. You bring the hard hitting reports. <laughs> I bring the humor. That's the balance of the show, Judd. It's the score North first place twin show. Live from Bone Basota, the land of 10,000 rakes. That is what it is. Did you say you had to bone, a bone to pick with uh, Mr. Zolgad here? Nope. Uh, I have two bones two to pick. Two bones to Mr. pick, Mr. Zolgad. From last week. It will, uh, to your rest point, though, before we do say goodbye real quickly, yeah. is like if the twins get their full compliment back, I'm talking, you know, Astadio, Nelson Cruz, Byron Buxton, Cruz and Buxton, by far the most important. Then you're able to rest guys a little bit more. I know for a fact that the Twins felt a little bit squeezed when one or two guys goes down, especially someone of the magnitude of Buxton. You suddenly feel like you don't have ex- as much breathing room to say, hey, uh, CJ Crone, why, why don't you take a seat today? Because now, no, you need his bat in the lineup. You need everything pulling on the same rope. When you're healthy and you got 13 guys you feel like are contributing, much easier to give a guy a couple days and say, hey, why, why don't you take it easy? But are you telling me on Wednesday, Adrianza can't play short and Polanco doesn't DH, he does nothing. 
and then you're off on Thursday. Well, isn't Cruz eligible to be activated Tonight. today? Tonight, yes. right? Right, but it, that'd be nice. So now that you got Cruz back, yes. yeah, I would I would sit Polanco Wednesday and or Friday and around that off day and give him a couple days off his legs. I, I think this is apparent. Adrianza is a flat out better shortstop too. Yes, he's got a better arm. Yep, he's a better so so there there's no fielding decline there. Right, like it's not like oh my god you got to play Adrianza shortstop. He's absolutely fine. He's pretty good there. He I think. struggles at first base weirdly for some reason, well, but he's a good shortstop because the new baseball. That's the one bone I have to pick with the new baseball world. Danny Santana playing oh, first base. No, but but there's, did you see how bad Lance Lynn but was? Why, yes, and he should have been. Like, but it was great to watch first? that fatty get burned because I don't <laughs> like him. But can you explain just quickly? Cover first base. Can you? This goes back to Moneyball and the A's. Why do smart baseball executives buy in into the fan theory of? And it seems like they do. Well, anybody can play first base. <laughs> first base is really hard. It's a lot of footwork. That's right. Scooping the baseball. Watch, watch CJ Crone, and he's not perfect. But watch him scoop, and, and then Sano try and scoop. Sure, Sano can't scoop. Crone's an artist, right? But relatively speaking, I don't understand why the new baseball world subscribes to that's oh, first base. If you're an athlete, you can play. No, that's not necessarily true. No, they, so the, Adrian's at first actually confuses me. I, I wouldn't do it if I could avoid it. Right. Well, and then you got against Cleveland, but Gibby throwing over 87,000 times. It's CJ, just inviting disaster. CJ Crone is going to need days off. You're gonna, you don't feel any better about Miguel Sano over there picking him, do you? But I would just do, I. but what I'm saying is I would do that if I had to. But I just, but I'm Danny talking Santana about. playing first base is confusing. I'm talking about what seems to be an entire working theory of a lot of very quote unquote smart baseball people of. We can just put that guy at first base. Yeah, the thought is just that his bat plus some other right. guy's bat is going to be better than right. his bat plus this guy's glove. And on any given day, they could look like a genius and they could look like a moron. And on Sunday, I think they look like a moron. Yeah, Boys, tape up the gloves. Judd Derrick I'm, has I'm two bones to, to pick with you. I love to hear this. I, I need to actually just go back and listen to the segment to like re to get yourself amped back up. Because yeah. yeah. like Judd and I, we're cool. We've been sitting here with new show. Oh, that's what you think. I walked into the studio ready to go. Like, well, yeah, you, you should have called him. me in here the noon hour. I would have been happy even, to. He was even redder than he is now. <laughs> like that's just from the sun. Wait till the anger kicks. <laughs> in. I love to hear it. Quick with the jokes. The score north first place Twins show live from Bombasso to the land of ten thousand ranks. Magic number thirty six. We're on fifteen hundred scorenorth.com in the Score North mobile app. The Score North Twin Show. Also available on demand on the Score North mobile app, Spotify, Apple, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. All right, it's Score North download time. It's 1.42. I'm Manny Hill. This Score North download brought to you by Robert W. Baird and Company. And the Vikings, well, Kirk Cousins, he got a uh, primetime victory last night against the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah. Game two of the preseason, so it doesn't really matter much. But how do the Vikings offense look in your eyes, Vikings fans? Let us know. Tweet us at Score North. That's S-K-O-R North on Twitter. Let us know what you think of the uh, Vikings offensive performance last night. There were a few little hiccups in there, some fumbles and a couple sacks on Cousins. A little troubling, but they made some good plays, too. Let us know uh, at S-K-O-R North on Twitter as we return to one final Score North first place twin show segment. Rami Makloff. Live from Bombasota, the land of 10,000 ranks, where the magic number is 36. Rami Makloff, Judd Zalgad, Derek Wetmore. 
Guys, you ready to go? All right, boys. Is everybody I'm pounding ready? My, I'm pounding my fist. That Before we get fist. started. Yes. Do I need to fire up some rocky music? I no, I just need to, to say going. to the four of you sitting here on mm-hmm. the Score North First Place Twin Show that like it's been a lot of fun working with you. I really <laughs> loved... <laughs> The season that you, we've put together. It's been a great show. It? Is this it? It's been done? a ton of fun. I'm Are saying if something happens. Is going to be the end? That there is some sort of lawsuit or HR gets called. I just want to have that out there. Oh, you mean if this actually comes to blows? If Judd knocks me out in the uh, Score North Boxing League, then you're, like, you're, all right, it was cool. Derek, you're talking like Judd is Ivan Drago and you're Apollo Creed. <laughs> like, he's just going to put you out and it's going to be over. Now, we were talking about <laughs> a boxing tournament in the before. Break. I think, oh, no, I think no. in a, in a Derek no. Judd matchup. In a Derek- Rami, did you just hear what he said? I didn't. What? I didn't catch that. I was too busy talking. Manny, can you recount that? What for did him? you say? That uh, what? That Derek said that he's gonna. I'm gonna have to refresh him on, on that reference. And he what was that unaware means. of Apollo Creed and Drake. Oh, have yeah. To explain yeah, that one I, to me. I already really? talked with him about that in okay. the first hour. Okay. Rami's I just can't. moving past it. I'm sorry. But in a in a Derek Judd boxing match, Manny, I think I'm going Derek. Like let's really? say, no. Even, well, he even, said he'd take a even dive. Even if Judd That's, didn't take a dive, oh, well, let's yeah, say Judd, did let's say say that, Judd yeah, went in earlier. for a fight. Let's say Judd got amped up and ready for a fight. I think I'm taking Derek over Judd. I don't know. Am I current age? Yes. Oh, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I don't know. Twenty years ago, I'd take me, but yeah, no, I would have yeah. taken like thirty year old Judd for yeah. sure yeah. over this day. Guys, I haven't even hit my peak yet. No doubt. Not even in your prime yet, are you? <laughs> I was a schoolyard scrapper. Like so I believe it. I was a schoolyard. I got in grade school. I got in a bunch of fights. So if this I, gets I ugly, after I just want you guys to hey, know that on, like, I it. love working with you. Yeah, it's been great. so that's fun. Great. What's your what's your point? Now, what's your beef with Zelgad? What you got? I had two things that made me want to like pull over on my commute. I was listening but, to the Score North Twin Show. Yep. Uh, it was Rami Judd, Danny, Manny behind the glass. And there were two things that separately wanted me. I wanted to pull over and throw my phone out the window on 35W. The first one was I'd the bullpen cool that. game that Devin Smeltzer didn't do his job oh, after ter- pitching that, that because like the Rangers ran into some outs like that's his fault. That one made me mad, but not that mad. I'm just like, he ah, that's, but he didn't do his job. We just disagree. He just got lucky. So we didn't see. Eye that's to a, eye that's on that difference. One. I I look at this as like an executive, finely tuned in my eye of the fact that Texas Rangers <laughs> basically looked like they were throwing that game. He let him off the hook. Exactly. I got furious yes. with the and it was it was uh, Rami versus I think Judd and Danny on this one. Uh huh. That Miguel Sano is bad at baseball. That Miguel Sano is not a worthwhile player on the Twins. And that when he has a bad series, let's talk about it. And when he has a great series and he carries the Twins for two weeks, well, I always have got some bad pitching. That didn't count. The picking and choosing of when his production matters had me wanting to throw my phone out at the Diamond Lake Road exit on 35W, and I'm not joking. (laughs) Okay. I was steaming (laughs) I got no problem with that. About this, like, oh, he hit a bomb, you, but ah, it was Cleveland. Well, I, I think my, I think my point was, was the fact that on Friday, Saturday, Sunday against Cleveland at Target Field, he was old for. That was it, and then he that came back it. against some bad pitching ended. But you know what? Oh, but it's the Brewers. Oh, he hit a bomb, but ah, he's from Milwaukee. So Miguel Sano is going to hit a bunch of home runs, which is not surprising. We still need to desperately find him a position eventually here, very soon, right? Oh, I know what that position is. It's designated hitter. Yeah, he's a DH. <laughs> he is a DH, but you've got a guy c- coming back who's, by the way, going to take a pay cut who has 32 yeah. home runs right now yeah. in 2020, so he sure as heck is not my DH in, in uh, next year unless Cruz gets hurt again True. or something goes very wrong there. 
But yeah, I mean, he's going to hit the Twins. Miguel Sano is basically a reflection of this team, too, which is when they don't face good pitching, he should and does, I think, hammer it. And when they face top-notch pitchers, they struggle more, which is not surprising, by the way. That That's not a put-down. Yeah, isn't that every team? Isn't yeah. that why top-notch pitchers well, are no, it's top-notch not. No, pitchers? No, it's not, because I don't believe that every team hammers mediocre to bad pitching like these guys do. I give them credit for that. They, they, if you're not good, they just score 14 runs or 12 runs. Mm-hmm. And a lot of teams can't do that. These guys come out and, and consistently from day one of this year, if, if you're not really good, they basically pound you. That's impressive to me. So I'm giving them credit there. Because that's what you're supposed to do. Well, hopefully, yes. But a lot of teams don't, right? Yeah. So, so, but I don't understand. Holding it against them that they struggle against better pitchers. That's why. No, I need to. But what I'm saying is if you are a really good elite playoff team, then I need need to see you, more importantly, be competitive from a pitching standpoint. That's how you win playoff series. Like the formula for beating Texas is not the real world. No, you're right about that. So so this is no indictment of the Twins. It's just uh, we, we have to, unfortunately, we have to, pay very close attention to whom you're playing. Because you guys are right. Guess what? They should kick the crap out of the White Sox and the Tigers, too. And Texas, I was surprised, but they really didn't care. And good for the Twins. Hmm. They pound them. But that's not a reflection to me, then, of saying, okay, it's all fixed, and and you're going to have great success against, take your pick here, Houston, the Yankees, Cleveland. I don't know that. I don't know that. I just don't like picking and choosing the ones that we pay attention to and the ones that we flush. We just ignore totally out of hand. Like Miguel Sano, 300 plate appearances, 23 bombas. Like that, yeah, he that, can hit that, for power. Matters. He can hit for power, but I want him to find a position. I, sure. I want them to get him. I'm not so and, worried about a position. And I know we were just talking about how, how I, I'm worried. senseless it is Why that we you? just stick people over at first base because of the way baseball is evolving. Because guys don't need to have just one position. Because he can DH one day. And yeah, he's a minus defender when you have to stick him at third. He's a minus defender when you have to stick him at first. From what I understand, it was an absolute horror show when they stuck him in the outfield. I wasn't here for that. Oh, it was, yeah. I, it I'm, was partly his fault, partly the Twins' fault, but it did not go well in not, right field. Not, Let's just not revisit that. Not to, say, not to say he's going <laughs> to be a strength defensively for you anywhere on the field. He's he's going to be a minus. Any, any, he's yes. he's going to be a minus defender anywhere that you have to stick him. But... I do like throughout the roster the versatility that they have of guys who they can put in two, three, four different spots. Miguel Sano is one of those guys. He can be a DH, he can be a first baseman, he can be a third baseman. He's not going to be good at either of those positions defensively, but with that bat, and as that bat, I think, continues to improve, I'll take that. He's one of the best hitters on the team, and that's where my argument ends. And here's what I need to see before before I, I pass any final judgment here. I need to see him show up in March, not hurt. I need to see him show up in March at Fort Myers or February, I guess now, in very good shape. And I need to see him play. And and by the way, this also holds true for the guy who plays center field, although I feel very different about their personalities. I need to see them be able to play an extensive schedule. Sure. Yeah. And, and if I see that in 2020, guess what? My opinion flips a bit. Fair is fair. But until then, I can't. If he comes that's through. True, that's true for both those guys, Derek. If he comes through with a big October, how are we going to treat this guy? 
That's where I'm at. Well, we're like, oh, I, this guy, he I had a great see, month and he won the World Series, but like, I don't know if he tried hard enough. I want to be hustled. I want to see him be outstanding in the playoffs and then show up for spring training in really good shape. In January. If he's, if he's, de- no, but I mean, if he, if he dedicates himself, he's still going to have to be moved off third base, but if he dedicates himself to the craft, my opinion changes. If Buxton stays healthy, I think he cares, but if he stays healthy, my opinion changes. But if they can't play full schedules, you got a problem on both sides because agreed. Because then the question comes back to, to the question that, that we talked about extensively a couple weeks ago about Byron Buxton. With both these guys, how can you pay them? Mm-hmm. Like, how can you be comfortable paying them? It's a more common saying in the NFL, but I think it goes across all sports. Your best ability is availability. And Byron Buxton and Miguel Sano are not available often enough to pay them. Would you give them the Jorge Polanco contract this winter? If either one of them... Oh, maybe. You maybe. Get, you, they, they'd laugh at you, right? Well. <laughs> Doogie told me that, that they he texted me a couple weeks ago and said that they did approach Buxton, I think, in the winter this past year and tried to get by with, with a contract that sounds like it was like that. And the Buxton camp's like, are you kidding? But then again, if you're not playing, if I'm the Twins, I can't come back at you with... Uh, what, six-year, five-year contract? I can't mm-hmm. do that. Yeah, you're great, but can you play? I can't have you at a Vikings preseason game when I'm playing a game in Texas <laughs> in August. I just can't. A game that matters. And, and that's not trying to be mean. I don't fault Buck. You know what, Buxton? Buxton's hurt time is his free time, I, I guess. I'm sure he's doing his stuff to try and get back on the field. But if you're in U.S. Bank Stadium when my team's in Arlington, Texas... I can't pay you huge money. Guys, we have just a few minutes left in the show. We should mention some what I think is good news. Some re- you, you talked about you're going to need to excel in pitching to, to do something in October, Judd. Some reinforcements may be on the way in Bruzdar, Gratterall, and Jorge Alcala, both of whom were called up to AAA over the weekend, and both of whom are working out of the bullpen. It only makes sense that these guys are being groomed to come up here and help the big league club, does it not? Yes, it does. And uh, Maybe Gratterall. Right, right, now, right now, the 40-man roster for the Minnesota Twins is at 39. 39, so they got a so spot. So there's a spot They to could add, add a Bruzdar Gratterall, because here's why it's important. If he's on the 40-man by, what is it, midnight, August 31st, you got to be on the 40-man before September to be eligible for the postseason. I think a Gratterall one makes all kinds of sense. You put him on the 40-man, he's a September call-up. You give him, what, six, eight, nine outings in September and see what he's got. If you catch lightning in a bottle, he's on the postseason roster. Yes. Simple as that. Alcala's a little different one. He's the guy that came over in the Ryan Presley trade, 100 mile an hour fastball, but like, his, he's like a 60 RA. His stats weren't great. Double A Pensacola. He got, yeah. He, he got promoted, but his stats were uh, mediocre at best. Yeah. Bad and, I, at worst. I, and I don't look at just ERA, obviously. Like, we're talking about other stats too. And like, does he get swing and miss? Is he a strikeout guy? Because that's what you need in the bullpen. Yep. But yeah, you see a lot of hits and a lot of walks in that. Does Gratterall. In um, more September. interesting to me. Yeah. Does he by chance open? Um, I wouldn't do that because the the misnomer about the opener is that it's just like it's just any old reliever can go do it. The opener is supposed to be reflective of the fact that the first inning is super high leverage. The first inning matters almost as much as any inning across the whole game in general. As Texas. Exactly right. Don't you think they wish they put up a zero? Oh, if you have a guy that you're confident puts up a zero, like I'd rather see Sergio Romo pitch in the first than a than a kid trying to catch lightning in a bottle. Yeah. Yeah, So, 
If I'm the Twins, I'm playing around with that stuff this month. I got 13 games here. Try and get a little head start. Take care of business. But you're also afforded the opportunity if you stretch that lead. Go play around with it. Get your pitchers rest where you can. Set up what it might look like in October. Get some auditions. This It might be audition time for Bruce Dark Gratterall. But I really, really... If- that could be a secret weapon for them. He wouldn't be the first that we've seen a team in contention call up one of their higher-rated prospects who they call up and add to the bullpen who plays a big role down the stretch. I think that could be a big boost for him. We were talking earlier in the show, Derek, that now suddenly you have four or five arms that you can actually legitimately trust on different levels, but you have some level in trust in four or five arms in that bullpen. If you get a guy who you can put in the top three in terms of the, the chain of trust and Bruce Dark Gratterall, if, if he's right there behind, say, Taylor Rogers and Sergio Romo, if he can give you that type of performance, that's huge for the postseason. That's like the David Price yep. a few years ago. Um, that's what Josh Hader was for the Brewers. Josh a couple Hader's of years a good ago. one. Yeah. Uh, I saw your guy in the Dodgers organization. Oh, the guy uh, with the big Carrot Lions yeah. main redhead, Dustin May. Ginger Guard. I saw him. I don't remember his actual name. <laughs> that's uh, great Dustin hair. May is Carrot his top. actual name, but you can call Dustin him Carrot Top. Yeah. That's fine. I like but Ginger he was Guard. pitching for the Dodgers the other day and possibly with an eye on October adding him I to think that postseason. Absolutely, staff. yeah. That makes so sense. Twins could, I don't know if they're going to, but calling up Bruce Dargraderall to AAA. You know what you do, though? It's interesting. You're starting that clock. Oh, that's fine. That's fine. Flags fly forever. I, no, I agree Thank with you guys. <laughs> I just am curious if Derek and Thad agree with you guys. I'm with you they guys They should. I can tell you exactly how long those flags fly. Call me. If you missed any portion of the Score North First Place Twins show live from Bombasota, the land of 10,000 rakes where the magic number is 36, go get it wherever you download podcasts, including that Score North mobile app.